This amazing experience is a place where you too can connect, discover, grow, and lead for God here at Common Bond Church. Well, now we're actually going to open up the word of God. It's one of my favorite times in our Sunday service because we get to hear what God wants to say in our life. And so right after Candace Harden sings one more song, we're going to be hearing a message from God from the scriptures that I've titled Resurrection Faith. Hello, Common Bond Church. We're here again to worship and lift up the Lord, lift up God, lift up our Savior. And today, I just wanted to speak to you about the word love. It's a word that we so loosely use sometimes because we don't realize what it's supposed to encompass. It encompasses sacrifice. It encompasses compromise. It encompasses trust. It encompasses relationship. And sometimes we just throw it out there because we think that it's a thing to do. But there's more behind that word love. Just like the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary, that was an example of true love because he gave his life for nothing in return. He gave his life. He made the choice to sacrifice. So right now where you are, can we just go ahead and sacrifice him a praise right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. I lift my hands in total adoration unto you. You reign on the throne, for you are God and God alone. Because of you, my cloudy days are gone. I can sing to you this song. I just want to say that I love you more than anything. Sing, I live in total adoration. You For you are God and God alone. Because of you, my cloudy days, they're gone. I can sing to you this song. I just want to say that I love you more. Hallelujah, Jesus.
a love song, y'all. Come on and join in with us. Say, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore. And I just came to tell you.
Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. He's able. He is able. Well, as we think about that song, I'm excited what the word of God is going to do and say to us. And so let's go immediately into the scriptures. And while we begin reading at John chapter 20, I'll start at verse 24, reading down all the way to the end at verse 31. In verse 24 of John chapter 20, the word of God says these words. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet have still believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Let me pray for us, and we will get started in God's word. Uh, Lord, be gracious to us. Thank you so much for the reading of your word. Lord, it has power to be able to transform our life, to encourage us, to guide us, to direct us, to lead us, uh, to give us the check and balance that we need so desperately in this world. So, Lord, I'm praying today that you endue us with the power to hear these words, the power, Lord, also to be able to communicate it. Lord, please use me that I may articulate your words of Scripture more convincingly, more powerfully, based on the authority that you have given it to be communicated. Lord, when we're able to hear your words, when they touch our heart, when they move our hands and our feet to go into action, Lord, let us come back to give you praise, glory, and honor because it has transformed our life and allowed us to be who you desire us to be. I pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. Well, as we begin to think about this passage of scripture in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, I wanted to share with you that I got out my toolkit this week. <laughs> I got out my drill because I was actually going to do a little bit of work. Uh, we had some things that I wanted to secure in the office, and there was a passageway that actually needed a lock to actually be installed. So I got the right material. I got a latch. I got a lock. I got my tools, and I actually went to work. It's been a while since I've done this, so I was a little bit rusty. It took me some time to figure out how I could actually do this well. Well, once I got the, the latch and the lock into place, I decided to test it a little bit because it looked good. And lo and behold, as soon as I tested this lock, pulled on it, yanked it a little bit, it came completely out of the wall. I realized that I forgot one important thing in this whole step of actually putting this lock together. I forgot to anchor the wall. I forgot that I actually needed to put some anchors into the wall so that the, the lock would actually be secure. And as you think about what I'm actually trying to share with us today, 
oftentimes uh, we live in a world where we simply believe in Christ Jesus, but we actually are not placing him with the kind of hope, the kind of trust that God desires us to actually live in. You know, God desires for us more than just to receive eternal life with him. Really, what God desires us to do is actually to have a kind of faith, a kind of faith where through any kind of situation in life, we're in a, we're able to trust him. So if the pressures of this world starts to come at us, if the world starts to say other things that God did not say, if our temptations start to be able to get the best of us in those types of pressure, we're not supposed to just crumble. We're supposed to have something that we can hold on to and be solidified because our anchor is now in Christ Jesus. And so today, that's what I actually want to share with us. I want to help our faith turn from inadequate faith faith that is not really trustworthy in God, in the situations of our life, to a faith that is now what I would like to describe adequate faith, a resurrection type of faith where we know without a shadow of a doubt that God's going to be with us in the midst of our situations of life. You know, when I think about that last phrase, in the situations of life, many of us, most of us, maybe even all of us have been in the situation where we have believed and heard everything about who Christ Jesus is in our life. But at the same time, we are not yet sure if God will show up. Will he actually do it for me? You know, so that's the tackle. The, the question that I want to tackle for you today. Will God show up for you in your life when you desperately and most need him? Because as we read the passage of scripture today, I wanted to share with us that there are individuals who walk with Christ Jesus for three years. They saw his miracles. They heard all of the teaching. They even saw him actually die, be buried and actually resurrect from the dead. And they still had this inadequate faith. They still had a faith that they didn't actually completely believe in the God that they were actually supposed to believe in. So I want to show you three individuals from this story so that we can actually see something about them that we can actually learn from. The first per, the first individual I want to show you is a man that's unnamed. He's probably uh, John in this story. And in verse eight, he's identified in this way simply as the other disciple. In John chapter 20, verse 8, it says that the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their home. And so giving you a little bit of context, Jesus Christ had just died. He just resurrected and now he was gone. He had already told his disciples that I must actually do these things. You know, we've talked about that for several weeks, that Jesus Christ was preparing his disciples for his resurrection, telling him all the things that were necessary for him to do so that they could have a greater faith in him. But yet we see in this passage of scripture, after Jesus Christ had left the tomb, after he had cleaned everything up and made it actually nicely uh, folded uh, linens and actually kept this tomb in a place where they knew without a shadow of a doubt that he wasn't stolen or taken away. It wasn't until then in verse eight, let me read it one more time again, that the other disciple was probably John. When he reached the tomb first, he also went in and he saw and he believed, you know, it took that moment for him to say, now I finally believe all these things that Christ Jesus was actually saying to me. 
Uh, for yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back into their home. I want to show you one more thing in the passage of scripture before I talk some more. So I'm just building this message up. So bear with me. Let's read some scriptures. Let's let it actually begin to speak to us the way that God desires. The second thing that I wanted to share with us is in verse 13. It's uh, from the mouth of Mary. And from the mouth of Mary, Mary was weeping outside the tomb. She didn't understand where Christ Jesus was, even though he had preached to her and all the other disciples that he must resurrect. Uh, they did, she did not understand why his body was gone. And so in verse 12, uh, she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus Christ was supposed to be, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have actually laid him. You know, the second story that I wanted to share with us in this regard uh, is Mary just being able to uh, not understand, you know, why she was not seeing the Lord in a tomb. You know, did not understand why his rotting body wouldn't be sitting there. Did not actually recognize that Jesus Christ had taught her, had taught all the disciples that he must resurrect from the dead. She actually just went still to that tomb and did not believe what was called the resurrection. The third individual I wanted to share with us today is Thomas. You're probably familiar with Thomas because we call him Doubting Thomas. And Doubting Thomas, I wanted to share with us in verse 25, how he had what I would describe as inadequate faith. In verse 25, he was, so the other disciples told him after Jesus Christ had appeared to them and said, peace be with him while he wasn't there. They said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into the side, I will never believe. I will never believe. He did not believe what his brothers had told him. He did not believe what Mary had told him. He did not believe the, the recounts of the resurrection. He did not believe that what Jesus told him beforehand, that he actually must do all these things. He said, unless Jesus comes in my midst and I can actually put my hands through that place where they actually put his nails in his hands. And unless I can actually put my hands in his side where I saw the sphere go, I will never believe that he actually resurrected from the dead. <laughs> so as you hear those accounts, I want you to think about this. How could these disciples, great men, great women who actually spent time with Christ Jesus, seeing him do miracles, seeing him raise Lazarus from the dead, seeing him perform healings that actually help people to recover from blindness, from people being able to uh, have mental illness actually eradicated. How could these disciples now not believe in Christ Jesus? You know, how could these disciples even hear Christ Jesus prophesy that I must be resurrected from the dead, not have the adequate faith that was necessary to believe that he really did resurrect from the dead? Well, I want to share with us that you and I may be in that same kind of predicament every single day in our life. You know, because sometimes we can hear the scriptures. Sometimes we can read everything about Christ Jesus. But when the precipice of faith now is right in front of us, where we truly need to believe in Christ Jesus for our life, we can't believe. <laughs> you know, when the situation actually meets the rubber in the road, when we actually know what Christ Jesus can do, when we know that he can actually heal us because we read it all throughout the scriptures, when we need that kind of healing in our life, we don't believe that he may actually do it for us.
You know, when we've actually seen that Christ Jesus can make a broken way and actually a place that is torn apart into wholeness, when we've seen him actually give sight to the blind, ourselves sometimes won't believe what he actually will do in our life. We're in the same kind of predicament that these disciples are in oftentimes in our life. You know, it's easy to believe the history. You know, it's easy to believe what Christ Jesus has done in the past. It's easy also to believe in the moment of what Christ Jesus is saying as we read the scriptures. But when we actually go through life, sometimes it is very difficult for us to simply believe that Jesus Christ is going to show up. You know, that's where we want to place our faith in because Jesus Christ does not want us to have what I would describe as inadequate faith. He doesn't want us to simply just believe in him based on history. He wants us to have a live, a vibrant type of faith where in the midst of the situations of life, in the midst of where you stand today, you can actually place your trust, place your faith on him because you know, without a shadow of a doubt, he's actually going to show up in your life. So how do we get to that kind of place? How do we get to a place where we actually know that Christ Jesus is going to be available for us? Well, I want to argue with us that there are experiences in our life that point to what's called resurrection faith, experiences that actually show us where Jesus Christ actually has to help us to understand that if you can believe that I actually died, was buried and resurrected from the dead, just believe in that one simple hope, it can change the trajectory and everything that is actually going on in your life. And so I want to do that by continuing to read this story again to you of Jesus Christ and Thomas. And as we read this story, I want us to go to John chapter 20, John chapter 20 and verse 26, because eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas this time was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to the to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. So that's what I want to camp on right now. I want us to understand that when we actually read the scriptures, but we don't actually trust God that he can be present right now. Jesus Christ actually describes that as inadequate faith. Uh, there's a passage of scripture that I actually want to share with you that probably describes that a little bit better. It's in John chapter four, verse 48. So I'm going to turn back a little bit. I want you to turn with me so that you can actually see these words in your own Bible as well. In John chapter four, verse 48, the word of God says these words. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. You know, that's often who we are. We are people who actually need Christ Jesus to show us a sign. We are people who actually need Christ Jesus to show up in our life. It's not good enough that actually somebody told us how good Jesus Christ is. It's not good enough for us actually to read the scriptures and see of all the good things that Christ Jesus has done. We say, good Lord, that's fine, but I need you actually to show up in my life so that I can actually believe. And God is giving us a kind of indictment in John chapter four, verse 48, when he says that unless you actually see signs, you actually will not believe. Because when we read John chapter 20 and verse 29, we actually see Jesus Christ giving the praise, giving the honor to those who actually can believe Jesus Christ 
even when we have not seen. I want to read that again. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have have not seen and yet have believed. You know, Jesus Christ said it another way in John chapter 8, verses 30 through 32, that I want us to place our eyes on as well. And I just want to read these scriptures to build us some kind of faith. This faith that I want to describe as resurrection faith, faith that this resurrection truly does mean something in my every single day of my life, not just when I leave and actually die, but right now in this experience of where I actually live and reside. In John chapter eight, verse 30, he was saying many things and many people believed him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth shall actually set you free. Now, I'm sure you've heard that before, but I want to make sure you're hearing it in the context as I'm actually sharing with you you today. Jesus Christ is saying that inadequate faith is needing to see signs. Adequate faith, faith that is based on his word, says, if you abide in me, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will actually set you free. And so what that simply says to you and I is that there are times where God wants us, our faith to grow. There are times where he wants our relationship with him to grow. You know, God does not desire us to simply be individuals who actually need always to see a miracle, to always see a sign and a wonder for us actually to go from a faith to faith relationship with God. God wants us to be able to know that as soon as you have heard my word, as soon as you've heard somebody else declare my word, as soon as you have read my word, I want you to use that as the basis for your faith. I want you to use that as the basis to abide in me and continue to grow because I want to remind you that we will be faced just like you have probably been faced this week with situations, with circumstances that begin to test your faith, that begin to shake you around in life, that begin to uh, have you question whether or not everything is going to be okay in your life. You know, there are times where you're going to need to reach out to God, to reach out to Christ Jesus and say, Lord, can you actually be my rock? Can you actually sustain me and actually help me go through this situation? Maybe it's going to be on your job. Maybe it's going to be in your relationship. Maybe it's going to be in the circumstances of what the world actually tears with you in the media, where you actually got to figure out, Lord, what am I going to do in this situation? And that's why we remind ourselves of Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six, where it says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not to thy understanding, acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he will actually direct thy path. We read those scriptures so that we can remind ourselves that our faith must also always be placed in him. Our faith always must be placed in the word that he actually shares with us because it's our stability. It's the rock that we actually depend on. Well, if you don't trust me, if you don't actually uh, uh, hear the testimony that I'm actually sharing with you, I'm trying to help us to understand that in the midst of the everyday circumstances of life, in the midst of the hard things that we must go through, and uh, we've got to go through things myself, my wife and I, we, we are placing our faith right now in situations where only God can actually show up. Only God can actually do the things that are necessary for us in our own personal life. And so we can't listen to all the things that are going on. Our faith is now needs to be alive. It needs to be an adequate faith so that we can actually experience what God 
God actually desires. And in those kind of moments, you know, I'm sharing my testimony that I've got to be a person just like David was, just like the psalmist was. You got to be a person in those situations just like the psalmist was. And I want to read what I'm referring to. I'm referring to Psalm chapter 18. I'm referring to a man in Christ Jesus who actually understood what it actually looked like to make Jesus Christ the sole focus of his life, to make the Lord the focus of his life. And I am saying Christ Jesus because he understood the relationship that was necessary for him in his life, even if he didn't know his name was Christ Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want to read this powerful passage of scripture with you so that we can actually see what adequate faith could actually possibly look like in our life. Uh, Psalm 18. Amen. 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 Lord, strengthen us. Uh, Lord, give us this word that we may understand how to live life better in you. Help us, Lord, as we actually read these words. The psalmist says in verse one of chapter 18 in Psalm 18, uh, I love you, Lord. <laughs> You got to stop right there. I love you, Lord. That, that's how he starts the conversation because God may desire us to be in relationship with him by faith, but he also desires our love to actually carry over. And if you know anything about love, love makes you do some strange things. You know, love puts your heart on the line. Love enables you to actually create a kind of commitment because of how attached you are to that individual. And so the psalmist is saying, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Lord, you are my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. You are my shield and the horn of my salvation. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. And I, I want to start there because God is saying through the psalmist is that when you actually allow God to be the rock and the fortress of your life, God is actually going to enable himself to allow you to experience something that others can experience. When you can actually say, Lord, I love you. And I actually know that in the midst of this situation, it's not good, but I'm still going to place my faith in you. Then God is enabling us to actually experience his goodness. You know, God is enabling us to experience something that is necessary for us actually to experience in our life. I want to read a little bit more down uh, in a couple more verses, verses four, five, and six. It says in Psalm 18, the cords of death circled all around me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of seal entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called unto the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. So I tried to share with us in the language that I only know that there are times in our life where it feels like death is all around us, where it feels like the circumstances of life are just choking us in. You know, sometimes that may practically mean that money is getting short. You know, health is actually failing. You know, pressure, anxiety, worry is just all around you. Those are the moments where we actually call out to God. And when we love him, when we actually know that he is the God, our rock, our fortress, the one in whom I will take refuge, when we recognize that he is the one who is our stability, he's the one who is truly the anchor, God says to you and he says to us, in my distress, I called out to the Lord and to my God, I cried for help from his temple. Here's where God actually heard my voice. My cry reached to his ears. 
You know, that's where God begins to show up when we recognize that God did not give us this life as a bed of roses, but in the midst of the difficulty, I'll still call out to the Lord in the midst of the difficulty. I'll still actually reach out to God because he's going to help me in that time of need. All right. All right. So I've been trying to set the scene set the understanding of what we are trying to know and to understand. So go back with me now to John chapter 20, because I want to now really, really, really clearly, you know, share with us how we're just like Thomas, how we're just like these disciples who actually had what I would describe as an inadequate faith. So if you're there with me, John chapter 20, I'm going back to verse 29, reading a couple more scriptures. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us be good. Help us to hear what you have to say to us today. Help us to understand that the words that you are sharing with us are going to be the words that will deliver us in situations where we actually really need you. In verse 28, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. You know, Thomas was a person who actually needed to see signs to believe God. But once he actually saw the signs to believe God, uh, Jesus Christ didn't just become an individual. Jesus Christ became his Lord and his God, his Lord and his God. And that's the question that I am asking you today. Is Christ Jesus really the Lord and the God of your life? I, I know that you'll say, yeah, but I actually want to practically make it make sense right now. When I say that the Lord is my Lord and my God, it, it means that I'm no longer the God of my life. And I am a person who is openly transparent with you. And I say that I love to always be in control. I love to actually take the situations in my hands and actually play God in my own life. I want to make sure that I know where I'm going, what I'm doing, how I'm going to do it. And I don't want to leave up any kind of control for anyone else. What I'm actually doing in that situation, I'm not letting God be my Lord and my God. I'm letting myself be my Lord and my God in those situations. And you may be able to relate to me is when you want all things to be in control of your life, but you're not willing to let God be God. And this is where Thomas said, well, Lord, I finally give it up. I finally recognize that you truly are God. You truly are not just someone who does miracles, someone who has great teaching, someone I will follow and allow to provide for me, but you are truly my God, meaning I can give up control in my life. I can allow you to actually dictate the passages and dictate the ways that I actually do in every single situation. He came to that place because he was able to believe in the resurrection. What Jesus actually said to him in verse 29, have you simply believed that I am finally God? Have you simply believed and I'm finally God because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me yet have still believed. <laughs> That's the camp that Jesus Christ actually wants us to be in. It's a resurrection kind of faith. It's a faith where you actually say without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, I believe that you died. I believe that you buried. I believe that you raised from the dead. And because I have that faith in you, I know that I can actually trust you for everything that is going on in my life. I can trust you that you're going to show up because you truly are God. You truly are my rock, my fortress, the one in whom I can trust. You truly are the one that I can no longer deny. You truly are the one that I don't have to take control of my life. I can let you be sovereign and I can trust you that all things will work good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I want to remind you today. I want to share with you today that 
God did not create us just to actually live life with a future expectation of living life in him. God desires us to have a, an adequate faith, a resurrection kind of faith that whenever situations of life bring us pressure, whenever those situations of life, sometimes that are called temptation, you know, sometimes where the enemy is actually working your best nerve. When all those situations come, we actually can stand firm in the rock in our God because he's now going to show up and actually do the things that only God can actually do in our life. That's the place that God actually desires us to be. That's the place where God actually wants us to live and reside. And so I want to read these last couple of verses in the scriptures. It says to us in John chapter 20, verse 30. Now, Jesus did many other things in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, I said it in my own language, which is that Christ Jesus doesn't simply want us to actually believe in him for a future life. He wants us to believe in him and all the things that we have read in John chapter 20, all the things that I've described today, so that we may believe that Christ Jesus is ever present, that Christ Jesus is not a future reality, but he's a present reality, that he's going to be Christ in our life. He's going to be salvation. He's going to be deliverance. He's going to be vision. He's going to be insight. He's going to be wisdom. He is going to be a healer. He's going to be all the things that are necessary in our life. He says that he done all these things and many things were written that could not even be sustained so that we simply believe that Jesus is God. So that we believe that Jesus will actually show up and do all the things that he's required to do in our life, because that's what it means when we believe that you may have life and you may have life in his name. You know, when I was uh, in my office <laughs> this week and was trying to actually put up uh, a latch and a lock, you know, when I realized that I didn't have an anchor and a support, it reminded me again that oftentimes our life is not anchored in Christ Jesus, even when we think that life is anchored in Christ Jesus. You know, we won't know until we actually are faced with situations whether or not we truly believe in Christ Jesus, whether or not we truly believe that he is God in our life. And I want to simply prepare us for those moments to recognize that if we can always look back at the resurrection and truly believe that he died, was buried, and was raised again, that there's nothing that Christ Jesus can't do in our life. If we actually look back at all the scriptures, read all the things that he says, it's supposed to build a faith in us continuously, uh, progressively, over and over again, that I can now trust him for my life. You know, I can actually look at all that he has done, said to the disciples, people who were wavering in faith, people who had difficulties, people who were blind, people who were limp, you know, people who couldn't walk, all the situations that Christ Jesus experienced, you know, when people didn't have any food, didn't have any provision, you know, when the difficulties of their life were hanging, Christ Jesus was present to them. That's what it actually means to actually grow up in faith. That's actually what it means to actually trust his word, to be able to say, Lord, I've seen what you've done in the scriptures. I've seen what you actually done in the resurrection. I've heard other people describe it. Now I believe it too. Jesus says, blessed are those who believe who have not seen. That is you and I. Let's be that kind of people who believe who Christ Jesus is so that when we need him in our life, we can truly trust in him. Amen. Amen.
Well, if that message has been a blessing to you, I want you to pray this prayer of faith to me because it may be time where you actually say, Lord Jesus, I actually want to trust you more than just a historical figure. I want to trust you as the ever present God in my life. And so if that's you, pray this prayer with me. And it simply says these words, Christ Jesus, Lord, I recognize today that you are the Lord and you are the savior of my life. Lord, I recognize that you are truly God. You died, you were buried, and you raised again so that I may have eternal life and so that I may trust you in the midst of these situations of my life. Lord, grow my faith. Let it go from a mustard seed into a strong tree, a strong plant where I am believing you for everything in my life. Uh, we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer with me, I would love for you to go to our website at commonbondchurch.org, fill out a comment card, and actually let us know that you've actually prayed that prayer of faith. Because I want to give you the next steps of faith that actually can change your life and move you on the pathway to experience all the goodness of God. If you also want to uh, send out a special prayer request, anyone that is listening today want to send us a special prayer request on our website, you can actually fill out a prayer request. We'll pray with you. We may even contact you to let you know we'll be praying for you uh, so that we can be united in the things that you're standing for in God. Well, family, Common Bond Church, friends, you know, it's been my privilege to be able to have this Sunday service with you. We have worshiped the Lord. We have sung songs of praise. We have prayed together. We have heard God's word. I pray that today has been an experience that has uplifted you, that has given you a pep in your step to actually walk with God throughout the rest of the week. I want to lead us with one last benediction, and it simply says, may the grace of God be with us. May the mercy of God be with us. We have one true Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Let us all go in peace. Love you all. Thank you so much for joining us. It has been a humble privilege to actually worship with you today. Amen.